Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we are going to hear from Pastor Dave Carroll in the series Incomparable. Well, hey, you ready to do something crazy for the Lord this year? Hey, anybody ready to leave their Christmas lights up? No, I don't know about that. Um, I might do it by default until Amy gets on me, you know. Uh, But, hey, you heard the statement right there in the video where they asked, what are you going to do to prove your love for Jesus Christ? And I believe in 2016, you can love Jesus more than the year before. Do you believe that this morning, that our Savior is worth uh, living for, he's worth loving, he's worth changing our life for. And, uh, you know, we're not after perfection. That's not what the scripture teaches us in this life. One day we will be perfect as Jesus is perfect, but in this life it's about progress and it's about proof, showing that we belong to Jesus Christ. And we are in our verse-by-verse series through Colossians, and the first scene, if you will, was incomparable change, talking about the change that takes place in the life of the believer. We talked about what it means to be a saint and not just a sinner saved by grace, but to come up one level and to own the title of saint. I don't know if you remember back that far. I don't know about you, but I've slept since then. And uh, and then last month was a lot more theological in nature as we were in the middle of Colossians talking about the incomparable Christ and how Jesus is worthy of our worship and praise, how he's our highest thought, how he did the work of salvation. And then we turn the the page here in Colossians 3 to a much more practical uh, section of the book, and it's the third scene that we're calling Incomparable Resolution. Incomparable Resolution. Now, you may say, uh, why do you just use one word? Why not resolutions? Because there's really only one resolution that has to happen today, and that is that we look more like Jesus. One thing I know, if if you're going to make a resolution, if you're going to resolve something, it means there's a problem, there's an inconsistency, there's a discrepancy. And I know this, myself and everyone in the room, we have one discrepancy. We don't look enough like Jesus Christ, right? Because he's perfect, he's holy, he's pure in all he does and all his ways, and we're not quite there yet. And so we have to begin to work on resolving that difference. And so resolution number one, each week I'll give you a resolution that you can make uh, as you begin this brand new year, as we finish off the book of Colossians, we'll be in it for, uh, well, uh, the, the rest of January, and then we'll end it on Super Bowl Sunday. It'll be a great day. You won't want to miss Super Bowl Sunday. We're talking about bringing in trucks to tailgate. It'll be fun. And then the series after, just to give you a little teaser, uh, in February, we're going to start a series on marriage and whether you're single, uh, divorced, if you're widowed, uh, if you haven't gotten married yet, it'll be for you, but it's called You Asked For It, and it begins on Valentine's Sunday. And uh, picture a guy down with a ring, you asked for it. Yes, you did. All right? But today, resolution number one is dead things must die. Now you're saying, Dave, why a downer to kick off 2016? Why are you talking about dead things? Well, hey, it's not always bad when dead things die, is it? Like, think about this. Aren't you glad that people have left tie-dye shirts and peace signs in the past, right? Like that, it died, right? It's gone. It's over. Uh, Don't bring it back. Woodstock 2 just didn't work out the same way with salt and pepper. You know what I'm saying? It just didn't happen the same way. if you move forward, I remember the day the Atari died. It's when I had a Nintendo show up in my Christmas present. I unwrapped it, and I thought, what is this? And they said, well, this is what replaces the Atari. I plugged it into the TV, and I never used the Atari again, right? 
because Nintendo was just better. If you move on, some other things that had to die. Um, is, we're really glad that jorts died. If you don't know what jorts are, you can praise the Lord for that and thank the Lord uh, for that clothing. 90s rock and roll, let's go ahead and leave that in the past, right? That just didn't work out uh, so well. Uh, you, you move a little bit more forward, and uh, we're glad that we don't have to keep up with the Kardashians anymore, right? I remember when that show first came out, I, my very first question was, who are their Kardashians, and why should I keep up with them? I'm not, I'm not really sure. But can I announce to you that 2015 gave us another cultural phenomenon that has to go by the wayside and die, and it's the man bun, right? <clears throat> the man bun has to die. So it's not all bad. Uh, and if you have a man bun here, I don't know if anybody does. Um, my apologies to you. And you, you just rock what you got. You know what I'm saying? You, you go on with your bad self. <clears throat> but some things are meant to be left in the past. And I believe in 2016, what needs to be left in the past are some other dead things in our life that we're carrying around. Uh, they're dead weight and we got to let them go. Um, for instance, I think marriages that are on the rocks need to be a thing of the past. I think addiction needs to be a thing of the past, something that dies with 2015. I think bad stewardship in our finances needs to be a thing of the past. The alcoholism has to go. I think the anger has to be a thing of the past. I think the, the terrible, horrendous thought life um, where we're either walking around in constant depression or hurt or pain because we can't let go and we can't move forward in Christ. It has to be a thing of the past. Are you with me? Those are the things that have to die. And uh, here's the important thing is uh, this has to be first. This is the first step in your 2016. In fact, it should be the first step every morning when you wake up what we're talking about in Colossians 3 verses 5 through 11. So here, here's the big, the big deal today. As we studied through Colossians, we found out what God did. And God did his part. Now do your part. You may want to write that down and write it down and personalize it and say, God did his part. Now it's time for me to do my part. And what is our part? There are two words that we're going to talk about today. The first is action. And if you're taking notes, uh, you, you may want to just want to flip over your program and fill in the blanks. It's an easy way to take notes. Or maybe uh, uh, my wife was talking to me about uh, getting a, a binder just to take notes and to write it down. I've heard of families even going back and studying this during the week to, to uh, revisit the sermon. It's a great way for God to write it down on your heart. But the first word is action. It's a thing done. You see, once you've taken action, it's in the past. It's over. It's finished. And in Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9, uh, the Apostle Paul starts to visit this section where he talks about if you want to look more like Jesus, if you want to resolve that conflict, here are the things that has to die. Now, take a big, big deep breath because when you read this, it's pretty piercing. As a matter of fact, it's pretty difficult to read because there's not a person who's going to read through this passage of Scripture in Colossians and not be cut because we're all guilty. We've all messed up. Not a single one of us can skip this passage and say, well, I've checked the, all of those boxes. So here's what he says, Colossians 3 and verse 5. He gives us the action. Therefore, put to death your members. And this was one of the strongest words he used in the original language, that we are to see things truly die. The sin in our life has to truly die. We're not talking about on the floor bleeding, 
breathing, grumbling a little bit. No, we're talking about lifeless dead. The sin has to be cut off. It can't have life anymore. Which are on the earth? And here's the big list. Fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon sons of disobedience. We don't often think of God in terms of his wrath. And uh, when we do, it's a little intimidating. But the truth is, is that God takes a disposition towards sin uh, where he, he just doesn't get along with it. It doesn't work for him, not even a little bit. And so if you're not in Christ, you can endure the wrath of God. But here's the good news. If you're in Christ... Uh, you don't get the wrath of God, but you get the discipline of God. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But listen to verse 7. He's not done. So if you think, oh, I just checked it off. I'm okay in all those. Well, here he goes. Uh, in which you yourself once walked, saying that the Christian used to walk in those things, but not anymore uh, when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these. Oh, here comes some more. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, Filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. And so the first action that you can take to make this resolution that's incomparable. Why is it incomparable? Because it puts you uh, in a place where you look more like Jesus. This is, there's no resolution like this. Scripture implies that your first action should be to leave sin. The very first action you have should be to leave your sin. Now, this makes a lot of sense because in Colossians 2 and 11 and 12, and then in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, uh, Paul is saying over and over in Colossians that our identity is supposed to be with the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the greatest word picture of who we now are in Jesus Christ. And here's what we know. There could not have been a resurrection without a death right? And so death has to come first. And uh, some of us uh, are contemplating suicide and you have the wrong death where you want to die or you, maybe you're so angry at somebody, you want them to die, right? Because of how, how, what they've done to you. But that's not the death Paul's talking about. He's talking about the sin, the, the, the warped parts of our character. Those parts need to go away. And here's why. Think about this list. As you, as you look at verse 5 and as you look at verse 8 especially and 9, there is no way, not even a little bit, there is no way that Jesus would have walked in any of these sins. You think about that? There's no way that Jesus would have done it. And if we're supposed to resolve to look more like him, these are the things that have to go. So it has to be the first action. Why is this important? Because many times at the beginning of the year, we begin to make our own plans, and then what we do is we find ourselves letting go of those plans because we haven't killed the sin in our life, we haven't killed the dead things, and we have this extra weight, and it becomes too much to make the changes that God is calling you to make in your life. And so this is why it's important that you come to this place first. Now, here's the choice you have in the action. The choice is either I can kill it or God can kill it. Now, this is really important because as we saw, 
God is a God of wrath. That's in Colossians 3, 6. You see it there. You know, we don't often highlight the wrath of God. Uh, you don't hear worship songs that say, I could sing of your wrath forever. It just doesn't work, right? Uh, it, it doesn't happen because it's one of those things where you're like, I don't know if I want to think about that part of God. But the truth is, if God has to come in and kill your sin for you because you're being stubborn and hard-hearted and you're just saying, well, that's just my personality. That's how I'm wired. Oh, you know, we, we know, you know, Cousin Bob, he's, he's always been angry and, and yelled obscenities at all the kids. And that's just who he is. No, you know, that's not what God sees. God, when God sees sin, he sees it as an eternal separator. That means that those apart from Christ spend eternity apart from God in hell as a part of his wrath. That's, that's pretty serious business. And as Christians, as believers, if we're stepping into that line of fire while we don't get the wrath, and yeah, our eternity is secure, but why on earth would we step in to the line of the wrath of God and God has to go, oh wait, no wrath there, but you're going to get disciplined. And when God has to discipline you, yeah, he loves you, but it can hurt. Anybody been there before where God has disciplined you and you walked out of that portion of life saying, ouch, wow, that hurts. So if you want God to kill the sin, you just better be prepared for a little bit of pain in your life, but it's because he loves you, right? Kind of like a dentist. Um, But here's the other choice. You can kill it, which is the million-dollar question, and this is worth coming today to hear this right here. How can I kill the dead things in my life? How can I let this dead weight drop and drop for good? How do I get rid of it? Well, here's what we see in the scripture. Number one, here's how you can kill it. Name your sin. Name your sin. You know, I think it's very important whenever we fall short of God's standard that we put a name on what we've done. Now, this is pretty painful because for some of us, it may mean that instead of saying, well, we're just kind of living life how we need to live it, um, and God might be calling it fornication before marriage, right? And wow, I've, that's my sin. That's, that's what I've been doing. And, and you're not doing this to be legalistic. It's not about rules. But here is why it's important to name your sin. When you name your sin, you see it here in this list. Paul could have just as easily said, hey, put to death your sin and moved on, right? He could have said that. He didn't have to list out all these things. But the reason he did is when you name a sin, what you've done is you've agreed with God and you've said, God, you know what? I, I've, I'm a liar. I'm a liar. That's, that can happen to me. I've lied. And God, I don't want to do that anymore. But when you own up to it, all of a sudden, the heart of God uh, is, is pointed at you and you have God's attention. Now, here's the difficult part. You can't name your sin and be specific about your sin, and then think that that's your identity. That's not the point, right? The point is not to, to own up and go, well, that's just, that's who I am. That's not it. The point is to say, God, this is what I've done, and I need you to do something about it. So when you name your sin first, you're starting to kill your sin because you're owning up. But here's the second thing you could do after you've named your sin. This is the natural progression. Next, you can ask God to forgive you of your sin. You see, when you own up to it and you name it and you get specific about it, now you can say, God, 
this is how I've breached our relationship. This is how I've stepped across the line. This is how I broke our trust, God. And so will you forgive me? Here's the awesome thing about God. The Bible says if we confess our sin, right, if we'll name it and call it sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that a good God today? That for those who are in Christ, when you show up, if you're willing to own up to it, to put a name on it, and you ask God to forgive you, God will forgive you. You are forgiven. That is one of the most powerful statements you could ever hear in a church building. You are forgiven in Jesus Christ when you step up to the throne and ask him for it. And here's number three, after you've asked for forgiveness, and this is really important, and this is how dead things die in your life. That sin that's been haunting you your whole life, that personality flaw, that emotion that you just can't get rid of, those thoughts that have have followed you for 5, 10, 15, 20, sometimes 30, 40, 50 years, here's what you do. You don't make a habit of that sin anymore. Now, we live in a fallen world, and you know what? We're wired to struggle with some things. Some of us are always going to have this tension, this this, uh, bend toward being tempted toward a certain sin. But here is what the believer does. The believer says, yeah, you know what? There might be some times where I'm wired where I, I fail sometimes in a certain area. But the believer does not make sin a habit anymore. It is no longer something you run to over and over and over again. It becomes the anomaly. It becomes the outlier. The thing that that happens, like you're like, oh man, how did that creep back up again? You see, you've named it, you've asked forgiveness, and now it's no longer a habit. And now that dead thing in your life starts to shrivel and starts to die. And so here's a great statement. To leave sin, if you're looking for a great resolution, a great first step of 2016, To leave sin is to walk in the light of truth. If you think about it, if you leave sin as defined by the scriptures, if you walk away from from sinful life as defined by the scripture, you automatically are closer to Jesus. Automatically, because there's no sin in him. You see, everyone in the room is going to leave sin, but there's two ways you're going to do it. You're either going to start 2016 and you're going to leave sin in your life, or you're going to leave sin and walk away and never return. There's two two ways that you're going to leave sin. You're either going to leave it in your life, or you're going to leave it for good and walk away. I'm asking you today to let the Holy Spirit work in your life and in your mind and in your heart to leave it for good and to put away things that maybe you've never even considered where you're going, wow, maybe a name of sin is popping up in your head. You're going, you know what? That's no longer going to be a part of my life. Now, here's why it's so important to leave sin. Um, sin will keep you from the throne room. And I remember uh, this pond at my grandma and grandpa's house growing up. They lived about two hours away, and uh, they they built this two-story home. My grandpa built it with his own two hands and a couple of friends. It was a pretty cool home, wood, stone, all kinds of neat things on 10 acres. And it was way out in the boondocks. Now, I know in Montana you think that there are no boondocks in Florida, but I'm here to tell you there are places that you can get away from people. And back in the day, my grandpa decided to live in a place where nobody was. I mean, it was way out there. And one of my favorite things to do was to go canoeing in this pond. 
Uh, it was just fun. I was five or six years old. I had some great memories in this pond. As a matter of fact, I won a dollar from one of my grandma's friends who whispered in my ear before a canoe trip with my grandma in it. He said, hey, if you tip the canoe in the pond and soak your grandma, I'll give you a dollar. Well, at five years old, you know, that's a big deal. And I'm a little bit ashamed to tell you today, I'm a dollar richer for uh, dunking my grandma in the pond. <coughs> which uh, she remembers to this day and frequently reminds me of uh, what I did. And so this pond was awesome, but there was one time I went to my grandpa's house, and when I went, he said, no pond today. What, no pond? Why can't I I go go play in the pond? He said, there's a 10-foot alligator in that pond. So uh, this trip, you don't get to play. And I only got to visit this particular set of grandparents about three or four times a year because they lived a couple hours away. So I was bummed out. Well, the next time I came, uh, I said, Grandpa, alligator's still in there? He goes, no, he's not. I had him shot. He's dead. He's, he's over. So the alligator, you killed the alligator. Yeah, you could go in. Well, this was awesome because we were used to little alligators in Florida. There's no such thing in Florida as a pond with no alligators. There were always like the little one, two-footers, and it was like Jurassic Park where they hissed at you, right? They'd walk up on land. But here, here's what the little alligators would do. The little alligators would kind of kind of just put you at bay and go, I don't know if I want to go to the water. But the big alligator would keep you away altogether, and it's the same way with sin. You see, the big sin in your life that's still alive, when you go to, try to go to the living well of Christ and you leave that sin, that sin is going to kill you and leave you dead in your tracks. And you know what? The little sin, you may say, oh, it's little, but it's going to stay up on the, on, the, on the bank there and hiss at you and kind of make you a little bit cautious walking toward Christ but if you kill the sin, you have free reign to the living well, the living water. That's what the Bible calls it, the living water of Jesus Christ. And that's why dead things must die. And you have to take these kind of actions first to kill the sin. Here's the next word that we talk about. It's identity. Identity. Um, in verse 10 and 11 here of Colossians chapter 3, Paul kind of gets out of that dreary mode about the sin, all the things that make us go, oh, that's uncomfortable. And now he he gives us a little bit of a clue into why we can take this kind of action, and it's in our identity in Jesus Christ. Let's start at verse 9 because it kind of flows together. He says, Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according, this is important, according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and is in all. You see, your identity as a believer is who you are. It's a fact. You are a child of God. And so one of the ways you can take this action is to mentally stop holding on to worldly titles. You see, what worldly titles do is they tend to separate people out right? Uh, We're separated out by Democrat, Republican. It's kind of like in church, you know that you're a believer, but when you find uh, find out someone is in the opposing political party, it's kind of like, well, I'll go ahead and sit one row up. You know, we're not going to sit next to them anymore. Um, Sometimes even uh, small doctrinal issues can separate believers. Um, You know, sometimes our position at work, when we begin to own the worldly titles, uh, it, it creates this sense of entitlement uh, you may have a name where you name yourself and you might say, well, hey, I'm divorced. 
and I don't know if anyone will ever love me anymore. And it creates this thing like where, God, you have to do something extra for me because uh, you probably are the one who hurt me. And we start blaming God. We get in all these fights, worldly titles, uh, and it gets jumbled. And I don't know what title you try to gravitate to in this world, but today I'm asking you because the scripture is asking you to come back and make your title, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I am someone who belongs to Jesus Christ. This is my title. Um, When you come to that place in life where your identity is solely in Jesus Christ, you start to break down barriers. You know, all of a sudden, that person at work who's not popular, you're looking for them uh, because you're no longer on the world scale of popularity. Uh, you know, someone who you may not normally talk to at church, you'll talk to them. Uh, someone who needs a friend that normally you would never befriend, uh, you, you find a new bond. And one of the most powerful pictures uh, in the early church happened in Rome. There was an execution about to take place and it was of one of the Roman leader's slaves. But listen to what happened. This slave was gonna be executed because she belonged to Jesus Christ. That's why the execution was gonna happen. And in the arena of Carthage in AD 202, a profound impression was made on the spectators when the Roman matron, that is one of the wives of one of the leaders of the Roman Empire, Stood, walked down during the execution. Can you, can you imagine this? She walks down. She grabbed the hand of the slave who was about to be executed, professed her faith in Christ, and was executed that day hand in hand with her slave. You see, when you have identity in Christ, there's no distinction between slave and master, between boss and employee. Um, if, they're, if you're in Christ together, you have a bond But when you take on this identity, it can be kind of painful. It's kind of like stepping on the scale after Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's, run back to back to back to back. Anybody else have that problem where you look at the scale and you're like, curse you, scale. Um, You liar. But uh, today I decided to step on the scale. As a matter of fact, I'd been planning this for over a week because I said, you know what? I'm not even going to step on the scale. Uh, Thanksgiving does me in. And you know what? When we talk about naming sin, sometimes I can struggle with gluttony, with eating too much. And I know no one else can tell because it's a very secret sin, right? But, but here, here's the truth. When I step on the scale, it revealed to me what was really happening in the area of my eating. I went, ouch. But when you step on the scale of Jesus Christ, If you'll step on the scale and stop avoiding it and stop going, well, I I don't know if I'm going to go all the way. No, you put both feet on your Savior. And here's the thing. The scale of Jesus Christ will reveal your sin. And when it reveals your sin, then you have an opportunity to ask for forgiveness. But here's the glory in that. When you show and admit your sin to the Lord, it proves. Remember we talked about doing something crazy that proves, it proves that you belong to him. So what is the big action that we have to take? Here it is in your notes. Show you love God by obeying his commandments. This is your part. We said God did his part, now do your part. Show you love God by obeying his commandments. And here's the great truth. 
You don't have to make a New Year's resolution as a believer to do this. You have access to Jesus every single day to show up to the Lord early in the morning and say, God, I want to give you these places in my life that are dead. I no longer want to carry them around. Will you carry them? I want to close today by reading Jeremiah chapter 26 and verse 13. But I want to set this up for you. Jeremiah, uh, he said the words in this verse under unique circumstances. He was about to be killed. He was killed because he was reminding the nation of Judah, back when Israel was split into two tribes, the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah. Uh, He was sitting in Judah reminding them of their sin because God said, tell the people they got to clean up their sin. they got to clean up their life. And so the result of him saying this was he got put on trial in front of all the priests, in front of the people, in front of the princes. Um, he, he had to stand in trial for his life. His life was on the line standing in a trial in the, in the nation of Judah. And this is what he said. He had a chance to go, oh, no, it's all okay. Uh, why don't you keep doing life your way? Don't let the dead things die. Just stay with all the sin. Do it. But this is what he said in Jeremiah chapter 26 and verse 13. And this is powerful today. If you need to be encouraged, if you need to be, if you need to be redirected, listen to these words. But if you stop your sinning, but if you stop your sinning and begin to obey the Lord your God, he will change his mind about this disaster that he has announced against you. You want to make a resolution? You want to make a a good first decision in 2016? Kill the dead stuff, what the Bible calls sin. Because even though we learn today in the Scripture that God has a part of his character that is full of wrath, here's what the Scripture says. This is good news. God's anger may last for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Isn't that a good God? Isn't that a God worth serving, worth looking um, and becoming more like his image? And so it comes down to one question today. And here's the question I want to ask you. You may want to write this down and name it and start that process of killing your sin and choosing to do it yourself and not waiting to have, have God have to discipline you. What dead thing, here it is, what dead thing must die in 2016? What part of your life, what part of your character, is it an attitude? Is it anger? Is it wrath? Is it blasphemy? Is it filthy language? Is it lying to people? Is it fornication? Is it uncleanliness? Is it unbridled passions, evil desire? Are you coveting and comparing yourself to other people? What part has to die in 2016? Now, here's the good news. As we go through Colossians, it's not all doom and gloom, but next week we find out how to live in, with the new life in Jesus Christ and, and the positive side of that. But resolution number one, dead things must die. Hey, I want to ask you as we come to a time of response just to bow your head and close your eyes. And maybe today, you realize that your entire life is dead because you've never 
placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You walked in the room and everything about your life has been caught up in sin because you've never been forgiven once and for all by the blood of Jesus Christ and his resurrection and his ascension and the fact he's coming back again. You've never depended on that for your salvation. And today you say, you know what? My old life is gonna die. I want a new life in Jesus Christ to kick off 2016. If there's anyone who would like to place their faith in Christ for the first time today, will you just raise your hand? Is there anyone like that? Join a couple of folks who, who did this in the first service. Is there anyone who would say, today I want to give my life to Jesus? Here's the next question. Man, a lot of people in first service, they raise their hand <laughs> to ask for prayer. How many of you would say, Pastor Dave, would you pray for me today because... I just have too much in my life that I can't let go of. I've been holding the baggage, and yeah, I make all these plans for the, for the new year, but the truth is I know it's going to happen. This sin is going to overtake me. These dead things are going to be propped up and walk along with me. And I, I haven't been able to give them up for maybe even a year or five years or 10 or 15 years, or maybe it's my whole life I've struggled with this. And this, this day I realize that the dead things have to die and I need help, and I need your prayer. Would you just raise your hand? How many, how many people need help with the dead things dying in their life? Yeah, all over the room. Thanks. You can put them down. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we confess that we get excited about our plans, and in the middle of that, we carry our sin around way too long. God, we push it off instead of naming it, we make it ambiguous instead of specific. And Lord, uh, just by the amount of hands in both services that went up today, we know the consequence of that is it seems to haunt our life. But God, I pray today that this would be the year where sin that holds people back from looking more like you would truly die. God, that there would be new life in Christ. Lord, that those who are struggling with alcoholism would be able to drop the bottle for good in, in, in favor of your great name. God, I pray for the, the, the family who walks home and there's someone yelling at the top of their lungs. God, that anger would subside and that there would be peace in the home. God, for the one who continually is, is having bad stewardship, God, would this be the year where they tighten up with their money and honor you by, by watching what they spend and, and being grateful for what you've given them. God, I pray for the one who, who is uh, on the ropes in their marriage, uh, Lord, or the one who's messed up already in marriage and, and just needs to be forgiven. God, would those titles go away, those earthly titles, and would their identity be found in you? Father, we pray that 2016 would be a year where you give us life and life abundantly because we've dropped the old life and we've trusted you with the new one. We pray these things in the precious and holy and awesome name of Jesus. And everyone said. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Please take just a moment to reflect on this.
Thanks again for listening. And for more information, visit our website at elevationbillings.com.